Ladies and gents, it's Gertie. I work the concession stand here at the Marionette Theater. Tonight's going to be a little different than usual. I was just telling the guys, take it from an old showgirl. You want to sell something? You've got to show a little leg. <laughs> you betcha. So from now on, you're going to get the goods right from the horse's mouth. Tonight, we're talking about a late 70s TV drama, Sutton Space. And it's not Buck Rogers. Yeah. They'll be cigar chomping, hot shotting. What? I mean, hot shotting. Oh, yeah, hot shotting pilots. <laughs> uh, there's going to be shoot 'em ups and evil alien robots. That's right. We're talking about the 1978 ABC series, Battlestar Galactica. Hang on to your seats, kids. All right, boys, roll them. What do you get when you take a dash of the silver screen? A pinch of the golden oldies? And a smidgen of streaming. It's time for Matinee Minutia with your host, DJ and Toppy. Take it away, boys! Good evening. Hey, Mr. Smelly, how are you this night? Uh, Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, DJ, uh, this time around, I've tried to typing out my notes and uh, printing them out. We'll see how it goes. I think if we keep doing the show, I may have to get five monitors. (laughs) Put all the notes on a screen. Oh, it'll be like Mission Control. Kinda. So, how did you fare with the trick or treaters there? Did your did your possessed chickens come out? Because I I heard that some lunatic left their chickens out under the full moon. <laughs> well, <clears throat> when that happens, you, you better be careful. <laughs> oh dear! No, chickies, we're recording. Uh, stay out of the room. Yeah, uh, that happens. But you know what? Uh, trick or treat over here where I live, uh, just not a thing. People don't do it. Yeah, hubby and I usually have a tradition lately. We are actually kind of outside of the village. So we're in sort of an old neighborhood where most of our neighbors are seniors or the kids have already left home. But we usually take the opportunity to go out to dinner that night. <laughs> uh-huh. Smart. <laughs> So, we are brought here together by our love of film and television trivia, and uh, when we last met up here in the beautiful historical marionette theater... Yes, here. (coughs) These seats are pretty dusty. Maybe someday, um, when we're not recording, we can come in here and and vacuum these seats. I don't think they've been vacuumed in... 10 years. Good luck in fighting an outlet that works. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what did we talk about last time? What we what are we talking about today? Well, today it's Battlestar Galactica. Oh. By the way, 1978's ABC version of Battlestar Galactica. DJ, what, what's your history with the show? Uh, you were, I'm guessing, probably too young to catch it when it first aired, but uh, how? if you did see it ever, how, how did you see it? You know, I was uh, of the generation where I caught it in reruns, of course, but it was a very special time for me because, uh, well, my folks didn't get the the movie channels that some did back in the day, like HBO and those things. No, but when the 90s hit, it was a magical time because a new station had launched devoted just to science fiction. And in later years, they did finally start making their own shows, but they started off by showing reruns of all the 80s classics, including Battlestar Galactica. So that is where I caught it. And I don't think I was yet even a teenager at the time. So I, I, I probably had a little trouble grasping some of the the uh the the machismo you know the chauvinism that uh hid itself behind some of the hot shotting pilots that gertie mentioned there 
but it it was certainly a a fun you know uh, space adventure on TV. I mean, the way I see it, Battlestar Galactica was probably the first attempt to put that kind of space on TV uh, on the heels of Star Wars, of course. Yeah, it it really was. So back in 1978, I was in high school, I think my junior uh, freshman, sophomore, I guess my sophomore year. And um, this was a huge, huge thing. Star Wars had come out. And of course, I was gaga for Star Wars. I don't know how many times I went to the theater to watch it. And uh, suddenly there was this ballyhooing about a TV show that was going to take place in space. And it it could rival or even be better than Star Wars. Um, as a matter of fact, DJ, why don't we play clip number one right now? All righty. Here, this is going to be uh, a promo uh, from ABC Television. New age of adventure. Right here, you creepy crow. Battlestar Galactica, saga of a star world. All base ships are now in range to attack the colonies. You can attack together. For thousands of years, an evil alliance has been bent on destruction of the human race. Now, in the seventh millennium of time, their evil plans come to fruition. Where were you? When they killed the rest of us? What were you doing, boys? Wait! Wait, let him talk! Most of us are dead. Commander Adama. We are going to fight back, but not here, not now. Not in the colonies, not even in this star system. Join Battlestar Galactica on her quest for a new world. There is no other destination. With her crew, Commander Adama, Captain Apollo, Lieutenant Boomer, the intrepid Starbuck, and the dazzling Athena. Join the ragtag fleet of human survivors as they discover new planets, new civilizations, the Android Sisters, new faces. It won't matter what you do. Yo, well, I got an idea. We can make a fortune if we put those girls on the star circuit. Every creature in the universe is out to exterminate us, and you want to hire a vocal group. Mm-hmm. Battlestar Galactica, the new age of high adventure. So, let me tell you, folks, that's how ABC was ballyhooing it. It looked big. It looked kind of like Star Wars. The special effects seemed just as good. It was spaceships flying around shooting at each other. Oh, my God. Can you imagine Star Wars being on TV once a week? Whoa. Uh, uh, All the newspapers were writing articles about it. All the magazine, Newsweek, Time Magazine, they all had articles about it. Uh, it trumping up its huge cost and record-setting budget and uh, everything else. So when this was coming on, I got to tell you, it was a huge deal. And uh, certainly, my God, everybody was looking forward to it. And uh, and there you go. Battle Star Galactica, 1978. A uh, huge welcome, Spanking B. Arthur. That's Matthew from Chubb's Gone Wild. Thanks for joining us, Matthew. Yes, and uh, usually after we introduce tonight's uh, topic of discussion, we try to frame it into your mind of what was going on in the world. Because, of course, many of the programs that we discuss are from years gone by, and some of you, like myself, were just a whisper when it was introduced to the world. So we're going to talk for a moment about what was going on in the world in 1978, and it was quite the eventful year. We'll just quickly uh, step through this. So, in 1978, the U.S. Copyright Act of 1976 took effect because, you know, passing legislation, well, it's like watching paint dry. Uh, (laughs) But most Mm -hmm. importantly, this Copyright Act uh, enacted 
the idea that uh, a copyright was in effect for the life of the author plus 50 years, which at the time was unheard of. It helped with a lot of court cases and, uh, you know, it set a standard for copyright for broadcast and television thereafter. Uh, let's see, the U.S. Senate proceedings first broadcast on radio in 1978. CBS soap opera Dallas premiered a personal favorite, which ran Ooh. 13 seasons. Patrick Duffy. Volkswagen became the second foreign car company to build a plant in the U.S. Also, making progress for women's issues, the Women's Army Corps, the WAX, were abolished due to integration of the genders. So, it was all one army for this nation. St. Paul was the second U.S. city to repeal gay rights. Boo! And that was <laughs> due in part to uh, Senator wife Anita Bryant. And uh, a few other An things here. Anita pie in the face, Bryant. Yes. Uh, Mavis Hutchinson, who was 53 at the time, became the first woman to run across the U.S. in 69 days at that time. The rainbow LGBT pride flag was first flown during oh, no San Francisco Pride. And uh, let's see, President Carter declared a state of emergency to evacuate Love Canal near oh. Buffalo. <laughs> oh, oh, my God, that Love Canal thing dragged on forever and ever. That was heading the news. Oh, yes. It, night after night, week after week, month after month. Love Canal. Love Canal. And, you know, the, they talk about a, uh, uh, a media pandemonium, things causing rage. Well, uh, the media at the time was mostly to thank for the, the uh, communication on that, because a lot of people, you know, you, if you didn't show up at the town hall meetings, you didn't know that you were living on a toxic waste dump. Well, hmm. you know, you turn it into the evening news and you hear about it every night. So, you know, fellas, pack up the kids. We're moving in with your mother. Yeah. Uh, so. Oh, uh, and Matt in the chat room says uh, that year was uh, the year Sacramento, California, got its first gay newspaper. Ooh. Let's see. We also have San Francisco Mayor George Moscone and the city supervisor Harvey Milk. They were both assassinated that year. Uh, now, his successor, Diane Feinstein, was elected as the first woman mayor, so some get good did come from the aftermath. Unfortunately, there was a life involved, but we did get the first woman mayor of San Francisco. Uh, that same year in 78, Susan B. Anthony, a New York figure in history, uh, was introduced on the dollar coin. They yes, fre frequently mistaken for a coroner. Yes, just because yes. of the size. And then uh, rounding out the year, we have some folks that entered into the world that are still in the media today. We have Mr. Ashton Kutcher. He was born in 78. Uh, he's younger than me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Justin Long, who's famous for a lot of... Uh, of women comedy films and was part of a, an Apple ad campaign for a long time. Uh, we've got Star Trek's own Zoe Saldana, who plays Uhura in the newer films. And oh. then we have uh, Tom Cruise's ex, latest ex-wife, I should say, Katie Holmes. Well, there you go. Katie, a wise move. Oh. <laughs> you know, if somebody jumps on a couch on national television, that's probably a warning sign. Right. Uh, what was going on TV uh, when uh, Battlestar came out? Okay. Well, opposite of Battlestar, because Battlestar was on ABC at the time. It was the heyday of the 70s. This was a time frame where businesses would actually shut down on certain nights of the week because people were watching back-to-back -back sitcoms. So we had M.A.S.H., which is a, a favorite of the Star Sage family. Also, there was Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley, both done by Mr. Gary Marshall. And we have All in the Family that I just recently talked with uh, about with the chat room guest Matt Burlingame on a faraway nearby. Ah. And then uh, 
those had been on the air for a little while in 78 when Battlestar came on the air. But uh, brand new that year was Three's Company, also a Norman Lear show. Uh, We have CHIPS, which I think stands for California Highway Patrol, I think. Yeah, something like that. And then uh, we've got WKRP with Lonnie Anderson. We've got Taxi, which of course introduced so many people, including Christopher Lloyd and Danny DeVito and um, Tony Danza. You've got Mork and Mindy. And then different strokes. And then finally, in the same vein as Star, uh, as Battlestar Galactica, there was a little known of TV show on CBS, the home of Dallas, Jason of Star Command. And this was a show that starred in a cameo role, Star Trek's own James Doohan, who played Scotty. Wow. Um, you know, I have no idea why I wasn't watching that show because at that time, anything, any hour long drama series, especially science fiction, I was inclined to watch. And I have no idea. There must've been something on opposite Jason of star command because I wasn't watching it, which was strange. I don't know. There's a possibility there might've been, um, a half naked Patrick Duffy. (laughs) Well, okay, maybe, maybe. Oh, you mean Man from Atlantis? Possibly. I'm not sure if it's that time frame, but it might well, be. Maybe so. Of course, Dallas came on, and so Man from Atlantis would have had to have been over with. But Right. Um, so, anyways, uh, that's what was going on in the wild and on the television. And into this world came the super breakthrough series that was super expensive, incredible, and it came on, and it was a three-hour premiere. (laughs) And guess what? I'd forgotten about this, but something was breaking in the news the night it premiered. Um. I'm going to try to, I may run across what it was. It was something really, oh, that's right. Um, It was preempted by the signing of the peace treaty between Israel and Egypt. So uh, right in the middle of ABC's blockbuster premiere three-hour movie, uh, they, they interrupted it for something that certainly was far more important. But uh, at any rate, because they did that, all of us kids, I think this was Thursday night, um, <clears throat> well, we stayed up really, really late. <clears throat> and because we were, uh, you know, we, we paid for it the next day, and so did all Americans, all 60 or 70 million Americans who stayed through the bitter end <laughs> and to stay up very late at night. I remember that well, because the next day at school, of course, what was everyone talking about? Why uh, Battlestar Galactica? And even, I remember I even had one, my math teacher in high school (laughs) spent the first 15 minutes of of the class the next day talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) So he, I guess he was boggled by it. Um, Anyways, uh, let's talk about who created it. DJ, you got stuff on that? I certainly do. Now, um, I I have well okay it's is it wrong to say a token friend I, he's my only one of that persuasion I had a friend in high school who uh, was a member of the uh, Church of Latter-day Saints a Mormon and uh, I remember him telling me that Battlestar Galactica was based on certain uh, mythology I guess you might say that's part of the the history of the the Mormon Church and the the gentleman that wrote the story for Battlestar Galactica, author Glenn Larson, who produced several other programs in the 80s that we'll talk about shortly, but uh, he wrote this at the time that allegedly Star Wars was being put together. So because of the timing of Star Wars having been released the year before, 
you know, things didn't move quickly back in the day. It took a while to get the ink dry. Well, uh, 20th Century Fox thought he stole their ideas to put it on television. Right, stole ideas from Star Wars. Yes, and uh, apparently he was actually sued by 20th Century Fox. And yeah, and you know what? I don't have the information on who won. I'm not quite sure either. I think that he was able to uh, argue that there were enough differences to to show that it wasn't a direct copy. But yeah. more and than also, um, he he actually said that that he the original script and, and treatment of this was written way back in 1968, and it was called uh, the Ark or something like that, and. Uh, it just it he he just never actually got it going um, because sci-fi was expensive. Well, once you had the success of Star Wars, gee, guess what? Everyone was greenlighting science fiction, so um, that's that's why Larson finally got a shot to do something he uh, had had an idea for for years. Oh, it was called Adam's Ark originally. Okay, yeah, and so um, coincidentally, though, I'm I'm sure that it got the attention of 20th Century Fox that not only was Larson producing this TV show about uh, an adventure set in space within a year of Star Wars's fame, but he also worked in part with the producer, one of the producers from the the late '60s Star Trek from NBC, Gene Kuhn. So I'm sure that that got people wondering, is he copying us? Is he not? Is he getting help? Because Gene Kuhn certainly worked in the science fiction realm. Um, yeah. It also um, didn't, uh, comparisons were, um, also came about because of the special effects. Um, and the special effects crew had a lot of people who just came off of Star Wars. And uh, it, they were all under the helm of a guy named John Dixtra, who's something of a special effects, pretty famous guy. Um, he did the effects in Close Encounters of a Strange of a Strange Kind, <laughs> Close Encounters of a Third Kind, which, by the way, I just saw on 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 on, uh, on uh, Netflix. And boy, did it look dated. It looked really dated. I think it was a bad print. You could see all with blue lines around the special effects. They need to restore that sucker. Yes, I'm sure that it's due for an anniversary re-release on Blu-ray. I would think so. So, uh, John Dixtra, boy, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure he's the genius. And I do mean that with with everything uh, this is the genius behind the special effects in 2001 a space odyssey oh quite uh, probably i'm telling you folks you gotta understand that was the 60s <clears throat> and you want to take a look at those spaceships flying in space they look really good and it's not cgi and so there's a lot of reasons that Star Wars and uh, Battlestar Galacta ended up looking and sounding a lot like Star Wars. Um, and part of it was, it was just on everyone's mind. It was the thing to copy. It was the thing to imitate. And uh, I'm not surprised. Even the theme song uh, was reminiscent. Oh, certainly. Of, uh, of of the um, John Williams theme for Star Wars. Um, well, there there are hints of of Star Trek too in there because the the idea of the fanfare. Of course, I I was in marching band for quite a few years in high school, and you know, the the fanfare is just a a favorite because it gives you all those notes of patriotism. So sure, you know, you, and you, and at our half hour mark, uh, we're gonna. Uh, play the uh, the theme song for you. It'll bring back some memories. Are we there? I don't. Th I don't think we are. Okay, we'll give it five minutes then, because we were <laughs> late. Yeah, we started late, uh, Matt. So honestly, you 
yeah, we, we were kind of waiting around for uh, uh, an audience. Um, <laughs> and, well, so we, we paused about 10 minutes. And so you didn't actually miss much. You, um, you didn't miss a little leg, though. Well, you might have missed. You might have missed uh, Gertie. Well, that's says tough luck. Flirty. Gertie. Flirty Gertie. There she goes. Yeah. So where were we? What were what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. So Gl- this producer. Yeah, Larson. Gl- Larson. So Glenn Larson had gained a reputation in the industry, and I'm not just talking about the uh, the lawsuit from 20th Century Fox, but. Um, Glenn oh, Larson, his pedigree. Yes, he Glenn Larson produced a bunch of other television, and he borrowed from himself. I mean, uh, if you're familiar with Battlestar Galactica, or maybe this is your first exposure to it, when you start watching some of these classic shows, you'll hear the sound effects reused in other programs. And so you wonder, did he... Did, this gets stolen. Well, no, Glenn Larson also produced the shows that has those effects, like Knight Rider, whenever you saw the strobing light on the sports car on Kit. Ah, that's right. That's that was right. the sound effect of the Cylons, the evil robots from Battlestar Galactica. But uh, Mr. Larson got himself in a little bit of trouble with certain celebrities because, well, at the time... James Garner was quite famous for being on an investigative show, The Rockford Files. And, well, Mr. Larson took way too many notes, apparently, from their theme song. Uh, So James Garner wasn't too happy that he basically accused him of copying it. And uh, there was a time that Glenn Larson dropped by the studio where The Rockford Files was being made because he was, I think he was directing an episode for that that week but uh, James Garner was not very pleased to see him in fact apparently he slugged him so hard that it threw him into a trailer <laughs> yeah that's the legend and uh, I don't doubt it I don't doubt it and as a result uh, James Garner called him Glenn Larceny <laughs> um uh, 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 Matthew in the chat room is, is saying he, he loves all those shows and um, uh, Jason of the, Oh, what was the, the sci-fi show? Jason of the Argonauts. What was it? Jason. Oh, that was a movie. Yeah. Jason and the Argonauts maybe. No, it was, we mentioned it at the beginning. Or were uh, you talking about the Patrick Duffy show? No, the nope. other sci-fi show. I think that Jason of Star Command. Oh, Star Command, yes, with yeah, James Doohan in it. He remembers that, um, and uh, yeah, he's he's recalling the original Cylons um, and the woo woo sound. Uh, oh, he said it scared him. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I can imagine. You yeah. know, they they have a certain um, you know presence there. I mean, if you look at the design of the outfit. They're they're basically kind of like uh, an executioner because they have that that kind of Roman centurion look to their helmet, and it has kind of that that fin down the middle that looks like maybe they're carrying an axe. Yeah, and actually they were called Cylon centurions. In fact, uh, they were often as addressed as centurion. Go do this, centurion. Go do that. And that was the interesting thing about the original. And uh, later on, we'll we'll get into part of the remake. But because, uh, of course, anytime we we discuss a program that's had another version, it's always good to bring that up so you can compare. But in the original, they had different Cylons. It was almost like a caste system, like this were the Far East and you had, you know, the ones that you sent to do your dirty work. And then you had the thinker ones and they had the the fancy head. They, they had like a, some sort of a disco ball in there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. By the way, this is too good to to not go over. But as far as as Larson's pedigree, I, I'm sorry to go back to this, but oh, that's right. There's just so many. Um, uh, one, the the weirdest thing is that I think a show that came on right on the heels of Battlestar Galactica was Buck Rogers in the 25th century. That was Larson's show. So yes. he went right from that to Buck Rogers. Um, he also had a hand in Magnum P.I., the fall guy, as you said, Knight Rider. Mm-hmm. Also a couple of uh, 
really, you know, six episode <laughs> TV shows that didn't last long. Auto Man <laughs> and something called Manimal, which I do remember. It was this guy that could turn himself into three different creatures. Uh, I believe an eagle. Uh, God, what else was it? A leopard or something? And something else. I don't remember. Um, there we go. There's a Cylon from Matthew in the, in the <laughs> chat room. Um, but I mean, this guy was very prolific and he had a lot of shows and, and some were just super, super hits. And, uh, what did we have anything else to say about, Oh, you know what? I, that I was, uh, manimal. I knew you'd know that show. Matt. <laughs> I knew you'd know that show. You know, you know it. You you were saying about what else Larson produced, and you you mentioned Buck Rogers coming right on the heels of this, and of course, saying that he borrowed from himself. Uh, that's true with Buck Rogers as well, because if you pay close enough attention, the same sets that were used for Battlestar's interiors were reused on Buck Rogers. <laughs> Oh, sure. Uh, oh, I imagine. And I wouldn't it, be a bit surprised. And, it, and it's quite interesting, um, but, you know, not to get into the remake early, but part of the remake of Battlestar that was done, I want to say, probably at least 10 years ago now on the Sci-Fi Channel, um, the sets were originally made for that to make a new Lost in Space series. Now they No kidding. Yes, after the 90s movie that was done with Matt LeBlanc, they thought about making a new Lost in Space series. Now, this Okay, is, wait a minute. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, I I just want to make sure cuz my mind shifted back to 78. You're talking uh, around the time they did the remake. Right. So just before they did the remake of Battlestar about 10-15 years ago. And and by that it was like uh, probably 20 years ago now because the show ran twice as long as the, the original Battlestar. But getting back to that in a moment, um, after the 90s, when they did a Lost in Space movie, they thought, let's try to make a TV show. And they basically didn't get any further than making a pilot episode. Now, it didn't get picked up. So just like any movie that didn't make money, the pilot didn't get picked up. And what do you do with all those sets you built? Well, they held on to them because they were making a new Battlestar, and those sets sure looked good. So if you if you look online, you can find the Lost in Space pilot that was not aired. This was... It's intermission time, folks, so hurry, hurry, hurry. Step right over to our refreshment center for the most extravagant array of refreshment goodies ever assembled under one roof. Enjoy breathtaking, mouth-watering goodies, everything from a snack to a delicious full meal. At our refreshment center, you'll find a large variety of goodies to satisfy your hunger, your thirst, or your sweet tooth. So hurry, hurry, hurry. Visit our refreshment center now. Oh, probably early 2000s, late 90s. But anyways, back to the original 78 Battlestar. So we were talking about uh, Glenn Larson produced a lot of 80s TV, including Buck yeah. Rogers. Did your notes show up? Uh, did your research show up that he was also quite an accomplished musician, Glenn Larson? Um, I know that to the the person who did the theme to Battlestar, Stu Phillips, actually did quite a bit of television uh, after Battlestar. He worked for a couple of the studios. In fact, he sort of was uh, Larson's puppy dog because he followed him from project to project. Yeah. Well, it, it turns out, um, I, I didn't know this, but but Glenn Larson has a credit as as the co-composer with Stu Phillips. Gertie, put down that beer. I told you, no drinking on the job. Whatever. God, Gertie, who remembers the uh, the narration that would open up every show? Um, and it was spoken by actor Patrick McNee, who was starred and famous for what? Oh, boy, he was in a bunch of things, but what oh, I... Oh, big famous thing. What was the big famous thing? <laughs> it was really, it's really old from the late sixties. Uh, he was most famous for uh, being in the, the British television show, the Avengers. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say it was uh, ironic to me that he did 
the opening narration for Galactica, because if I'm not mistaken, he actually had an on-screen presence. Wasn't he the president of the colonies who perished in the pilot episode? <laughs> um, no, but you are right. He did have a part. It was significant. It was in a two-parter where he played this uh, sort of very powerful um, alien of some sort. You couldn't really figure out what he was. It seemed like he could do anything. Um, and that was Patrick McNee in a two-parter. Um, so he, he did, he did have a starring role and I'm not, I don't, I wanted to find out so bad how they came up with him to do the narration, but it sort of sounded like this. There are those who believe that life here <laughs> begins out there. It looked like across the universe with it, tribes of humans who may have been the forefathers of the Egyptians or the, the tough or the body. <laughs> Anyways, I won't go on. Well, you know, the but, style of that introduction, though, reminded me of so many educational videos that I watched in my early childhood. <laughs> you know, it, it kind of reminds you of some of the things that were done for, like, um, I'm forgetting the name right now, but that famous Carl Sagan astronomy show. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, Cosmos. Yeah. So, but the the cast of Battlestar Galactica was just littered with people who had accomplished quite a bit in their careers. Now, of course, you have the leading man in this show, a serious guy who's somebody of authority. You've got Mister Lauren Green, who's well known for his role in Bonanza. Now, yes, a, a, a western that went on for twenty million years. And some, no, not not quite as long as Gunsmoke, but <laughs> <laughs> and and something that made Battlestar Galactica stand out was this particular leading man had a little bit of say in the show. Now, there are some who would tell you that Lauren Green said, "I'm not going to be on a TV show with an alien of the week." No, sir, you are not going to have aliens on my ship. So mm. they made them all look human because, of course. These were the people of the 12 colonies, and they are the Brotherhood of Man, so of course they look like human beings. Uh, and you're absolutely right. Uh, Lauren Green was really kind of a kind of a big deal. Uh, I imagine he got paid quite a lot, and I'm, he, he was probably the, not probably, he was the biggest name associated with, and it was kind of perfect casting. He fit right in. And by all accounts, by the other actors, they they loved him. And he was very gracious and kind. And he included them and everything. And he stuck up for them. And to look Um, at the cast list here, aside from Mr. Green, you see all these other folks who uh, landed more roles after they appeared in Galactica. So certainly it helped their resumes. But a lot of these people, if you look at their list of accomplishments, it, it seemed like they were basically hired because they looked good in uniform. Some of these guys, like Richard Hatch and Dirk Benedict, who would later on, a few years later, go on to be on the A-team. <laughs> did you just call him Jerk Benedict? I did not. I said Dirk. Okay. <laughs> a very popular adult film star name, I think. I, who knows if that's his real name? But, uh, you know, we several of the leading men on Galactica, the pilots, were uh, ones that looked good in uniform. And they'd had oh. practice because they'd been on uh, police TV shows where they were detectives or, you know, they were on the beat. So mm-hmm. you, you had uh, shows like McCloud, which the uh, the actor that played the first McCloud. officer, yes, the, the first officer of Salt High was played by Mr. Terry Carter. And mm-hmm. uh, Richard Hatch, uh, he was also on the Waltons for a little bit. Uh, yes, for several, uh, about three three different well, one two-parter, and then uh, about a year later, he he uh, portrayed the same character again. Yeah, he was on there. And then Dirk Benedict, before he be- uh, was on Galactica, he's on something called Chopper One, but something else people will recognize a bit more, I think, Charlie's Angels. Really? Yes. You mean he had one role or one episode? Uh, or I think he, he, he had maybe a couple. It was certainly less than a handful, but it got him recognized because that was the hot thing at the time. But, yeah, he, he would have fit right in on that Oh, show. absolutely. And uh, this also 
uh, you know, well, sort of launched careers. Otherwise, you have a notable celebrity's daughter in this. You have Anne Lockhart. Now, you recognize the name, and yes, it is her daughter, June Lockhart, the mother from Lassie and Lost in Space. Her daughter was on Battlestar Galactica. And something you may not know is that she actually turned down the role that ended up winning Jamie Lee Curtis fame in the Halloween series. Ah, very good. I did not know that. And then lastly, one of the cast that was of note was Jane Seymour. Now, she played a mother who came on board with her child, Boxy, who, <laughs> who we'll get to in a moment, Noah Hathaway. And uh, Jane Seymour was later known for her role in the series Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, which I think got quite a few years. Oh, my God. It seems like uh, Dr. Quinn ran for years. Um, I'd like to say a bit more about Jane Seymour's part. Um, <clears throat> when... Battlestar Galactica was first conceived. It was conceived as a miniseries uh, first, and then the plan was to do in subsequent months slash years two-hour movies of the week. It was never intended to be a television series, but ABC was so high on uh Star Wars, that they forced it to happen as a weekly television series, which sent the cast, the crew, the writers, the producers into utter chaos. Because if you can imagine trying to put out a weekly show that had uh, the qualities that this show had, it was people never went home. They lived in the studio. It was the only way they could get it done. And Jane Seymour signed on because she figured, oh, this is a lovely schedule. I can handle this. <laughs> oh, sure. I'd love to do it to pay me a lot of money. I'm beautiful. And yes. And she was very beautiful in the show. And she was great with Richard Hatch. They were they had the chemistry, and then the show went weekly, and she said, oh, I'm sorry, totally do, <laughs> and so they killed her character off. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Now, part of the transition in the story there, where they went from the original intent of being a miniseries to actually becoming a series involved some of the changes in the writing. And of course, as you mentioned, that included Jane Seymour's departure, but also, and I'm forgetting her name right now, but one of the roles that uh, in the, the pilot uh, was a little bit more uh, controversial. She was, um, well, she was a sex worker, basically. Her name was Cassiopeia. <coughs> and yeah, Cassiopeia... Yeah was decided that she needed to have a more permanent role in the ship that was less controversial if she was going to be part of the regular series. So they simply made her a nurse, a medic. Right. <clears throat> yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just to, to tell you that man, uh, Seymour was killed off. Uh, she just, didn't, she just didn't want to have a weekly TV show. Well, and it was she, quite interesting how they did it, too. Now, of course, uh, you know, the late 70s was a, a period where a lot of rights were being won and accomplished in the gay community and for women. I mean, they could finally have their own bank accounts and credit cards, and it was becoming illegal for them to be fired for coming to work and being pregnant because, you know, you're, you're going to want to have some time off. Now they can't fire them because we're passing laws to protect women. But um, they, you're seeing more women in roles in television, and certainly Battlestar Galactica did that. Because, you, you know, uh, Jane Seymour's character was actually being made a pilot. Now, of course, this is how they, they offer character. Spoiler alert. Uh, she's sent off on a mission that her character may not be ready for just yet, and it's basically on the eve of her wedding. Mm, that's right. Actually, well, yeah, they had a wedding scene, so it must have been after the wedding. Yeah, they they were building up to it, but, uh, you know, it, it forced 
a, a, a sort of a futuristic show. And that's an important note to make, too. We, we see things like Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica, and you see it set in space, and you automatically assume, well, this is the future. But part of the lore of Battlestar Galactica towards the end oh pardon that's me uh part of the lore at the end of battlestar galactica was that they they uh, they came upon earth which was one of the goals of their mission and it, it turns out that they reached earth shortly after we landed on the moon so this is clearly another civilization because they're able to travel between star systems with their own technology, and it had nothing to do with the history of human beings. Are you there, Toppy? Sorry, I was muted. Okay. Um, I just have a slightly alternate info about that. Mm -hmm. uh, it pretty much matches what you said, but what I understand is that uh, it wasn't clear, like, did did humans leave Earth, and or, or and then that's where these people are from, or did something sort of uh, colonize these different planets and plant the seeds or whatever? And you never were really sure, like, is this way way in the future or what? But at the the very last episode, by the way, the show only lasted one season, twenty four. <laughs> episodes uh the 24th episode ended with the scene of a couple characters in uh sitting in a, a kind of a place where they could look out at the stars and then they leave and the camera tracks in on a monitor and we see uh the apollo landing but my gist of it was it's not that they were close to earth but they were close enough to get the signal that, of course, TV signals go out from Earth and they just go and go and go and go. Mm -hmm. And so we're not really sure. Eventually, that signal reached uh, Galactica. But I didn't get the sense at that point that they were close to Earth, but I guess close enough to to get the signal. Yeah, and then, of course, after a brief absence, they brought the show back as another show which was yes. called, <laughs> which was called Galactica 1980. Now I haven't caught on to that, but uh, we should note as as we get closer to the end of the show here, we we probably got about ten minutes. Um, there was an effort to remake the series long before. Well, before before you get into sure. that, uh -huh. let me let me just talk about the end of the show. Yes. Uh, so. 60 or 70 million people tuned into the premiere. Uh, folks, you don't have that today. Nothing on network TV gets that kind of viewership because there's so much competition. People are leaving network TV anyways to watch Netflix, blah, blah, blah. So that doesn't happen today. So that was a huge success in terms of ratings. But the uh, quality of the show suffered a little once they went into a weekly mode, it was just too hard uh, to do what they originally intended. They had to make shortcuts. The biggest thing of all was that the special effects, they didn't have time to create any new ones. So they kept using the <laughs> same shots of the same explosions and the same ships doing the same things over and over. And even if it was on TV once a week, you would look at it and say, I, they're using the same shit over and over. <laughs> Especially when the ship would pass you in the opposite direction and the name was backwards on the engine. Whoopsie. <laughs> <laughs> that happened, folks. Anyways, they, they did what they could. They made shortcuts, but people noticed and viewership fell off. And ABC basically said, all right, uh, you know what? This is costing a lot of money. A lot of money, and I don't think we're going to do this anymore. And they shut it down, much to everyone's surprise. Uh, the crew, the cast, they were shocked that it was ending. Well, no sooner than ABC canceled it, they got flooded with mail saying, why did you do that? There was a huge pouring out. And so ABC said, did we make a mistake? I think we made a mistake. Uh, and so that's how Galactica 1980 just 
just barely a year later, a year or more later, they came out with this cheap sequel uh, that still starred uh, Lauren Green in a much reduced role. It was hugely different. It took place on Earth. It was done for a fraction of the cost of Battlestar Galactica. That's why ABC said, yeah, sure, we'll do it, but we sure ain't going to spend those kind of dollars again. And so for 10 episodes, this awful, awful sequel called Galactica 1980, which I'll just say confidentially, it is awful, but I I have a soft spot in my heart for it. (laughs) Um, Anyways, that's how that came about for 10 episodes. It got miserable ratings, and it was over. The end. Now, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, so go ahead and mm-hmm. say what you were going to say, um, okay. DJ. Yes, so um, what, what were you saying? <laughs> well, you were about to, I think you were about to tell us about how it got remade. And, and Oh, yeah, so before the the very popular remake was made, and I, I'm sad to say it's almost, almost 20 years ago now. Oh. That is hard to believe. Um. Richard Hatch, that was in the original, of course, that played Apollo, had an effort to remake the series or, or relaunch it at least. Now, yes, uh, yes, yes, that's right. And apparently, there was only a pilot produced. It did not get picked up because shortly thereafter, the Sci-Fi Channel had gotten the rights because they had started making their own original programming. Now, um. I, I understand, just like with other shows that have been remade and had sequels, certainly Star Trek is one, because it doesn't take a whole lot of looking to see that when Star Trek The Next Generation came out in 87, there was a fair share of hatred towards it, because everyone thought they were trying to fill the shoes of the original cast, and it was just a continuation. So, the new Battlestar Galactica that was produced by the Sci-Fi Channel, and uh, from seeing it started in 2004, so that was 14 years ago, uh, I thought it was quite well done. Now, to be honest with you, I was uh, in different places at the time, so it's one of those shows that I lost track of during moves, but it did have four seasons, which was quite a, a bit longer than the original, but more mm-hmm. importantly, they made some wise casting decisions. And by that, they chose another leading role, uh, leading actor to play the, the captain. In this case, they chose Edward James Olmos, who was known for his role in the classic sci-fi 70s film Blade Runner with Harrison Ford. And also later in, uh, was it Miami Vice that he was on? Uh, could be. Yeah, he was. Yeah. That's and right. then uh, they also did some role reversal, which was quite important for the times. Now, in the original, of course, you had a lot of white-haired old men a la European history. But the president of the 12 colonies in the remake, well, it fell through different hands because... You lost a lot of people during the attack in the pilot, so they they went through the ranks kind of like trying to see who the heir to the throne is. Well, the only person that survived the attack was the Secretary of Education because she was off-world, and so Mary McDonnell, who was most famous for being in Dances with Wolves, uh, starring Kevin Costner, she played in that movie a, uh, a a Caucasian woman who had been abandoned as a child and was adopted by a Native American group. Uh, I think her name was Stanzo the Fist in that film. Mary McDonnell played the president of the 12 colonies, Laura Roslin, and it was a very important role reversal for that series because it set the tone and uh, they continued on with role reversal through the character of Starbuck, which Dirk Benedict played in the original. But new face Katie Sackhoff played Starbuck in the new series. Starbuck was suddenly a woman, and that was important because now 
you could be a cigar chumping hot shot pilot, but wear a bra. <laughs> yes, indeedy. And uh, she was certainly a member of the good old boys club because she smoked, she drank, and she played cards. And you, she could drink you under the table, and she could hold her own. So definitely, if you have enjoyed the original Battlestar Galactica, and maybe you weren't too wild about the idea of them remaking your favorite show Give it a peek because it did last four seasons. And I tell you what, people like Edward James Olmos <laughs> and Mary McDonnell don't do low budget films. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Spanking B. Arthur Matthew in the chat room says that uh, he recently we watched it and he, he felt, you know, 14 years later now, still so good. And he says every episode left him. Wanting to know what's going to happen next. Oh my goodness! Um, we'll we'll finish out this because we are getting close to our hour, sir. But basically, the uh, one of the big changes that they made in the remake was that unlike the original, where you had uh, Gaius Baltar, who, by the way, was played by. A uh, an actor who originated a villain role on Star Trek. He played a Klingon character. That's me again. Sorry, I'm just gonna unplug this. Uh, he played a Klingon character in the uh, original Star Trek. Right. Uh, I'm trying to see what the name. Oh, oh his, John Calicos played Core on the original '60s Star Trek, and he actually. Uh, provided some of the direction for the the costuming for that part. But anyways, uh, Baltar in the original Galactica was always on the the enemy base. He was he was clearly against the twelve colonies from the beginning. But in the remake of Galactica, Baltar was a human doctor and he blended in with everyone else. So he was kind of a double agent, a sleeper, if you will. And suddenly the Cylons, well, they're not the toasters, the robots that we've seen. <laughs> they can look just like you and me. So now you've got that fear of, ooh, is this a person or is this the enemy? And right. uh, the, the most brilliant part of that is they, they, uh, the, um, they play on the trope of a beautiful woman leading you to make poor decisions because Dr. Baltar... Well, he was a little bit of a megalomaniac. In fact, his uh, his uh, flights of fancy that led him to do terrible things were brought about by a beautiful, a drop-dead gorgeous blonde bombshell in a bright fire engine red dress. And she only appeared to him when he was alone. Mm-hmm. So, as we wrap up here, sir, any yeah. final thoughts on this? Uh, if if you were alone in a cabin in the woods and you had to bring something with your with you in your suitcase, would Battlestar Galactica nineteen seventy eight be one of those box sets you bring with you? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, I love it. It uh, it's very seventies. Uh, I've been watching it again on NBC.com with commercials and, uh, you know, it's dated. I still like it. It's seventies cheese TV. I think it had a heart. Uh, they had a great villain in Baltar and eh, I recommend people watching it, but when I take it with me to a desert island, there's so many other things I'd put in there first. <laughs> but uh, I do recommend it's free on NBC.com. Go take a look. Watch an episode. <laughs> well, you know, uh, Toppy, I think that I, I might bring it with me, but I'll have a little caveat here. In fact, I was lucky enough that uh, as we went to a thrift store, as we're one to do, I found a copy, but not of the, the entire 24-episode series. It was a special release DVD of just the pilot. So, you know, the original three-hour story. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, other people may have caught it, um, it when it was syndicated. They they edited the shows into 
two-hour movies that could be played in the afternoon on TV, and and they, they it was sold as a package so that you could have Battlestar Galactica week on your station, and every afternoon at four or something that you you'd get one of the so-called movies that was usually two episodes spliced together. So that may have been another way people saw it. Also, as far as that uh, uh, pilot, uh, an attempt to get it going again under the direction of Richard Hatch, um, that actually was nothing more than a 30-minute movie that he basically financed, co-wrote, and co-produced in hopes of selling it to a network. So what he did is uh, he went around to conventions, science fiction conventions, comic cons, and he would show it to get the fans, you know, to support it. Mm-hmm. And his hope was certainly to sell it and that he would get a lot of interest, but no, no, but no network ever, ever bought it. So it, it mm-hmm. kind of died. Yeah. And then, of course, we uh, just lost him to cancer a few years ago unexpectedly so the i don't even think he lived to see his 80s uh, i didn't know that i thought he was still alive yeah it was it was just the other year i do believe in and it, it, uh don't quote me but it might have been prostate cancer okay okay um, so um if you have nothing else sir we're going to go ahead and lead into the next week all right um uh, why don't uh, I get uh, the little uh, gumball machine out? Okay. Hey, Gertie, are uh, you going to help us out with this? God, if I have to. Oh, Gertie. Um, uh, Gertie, uh, the, the bag of, of magic coins, please. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, put it in the slot here. Boy, that sure is a noisy gumball machine. All right, all right. Um, 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 why don't we uh, open up the little slip in here and uh, we'll see what it is we're going to do next time. Uh, Gertie, uh, you want to read that? Sure, I'll do all the work. All right, be sure to tune in next time, folks. <laughs> uh, there'll be racist stereotypes. Oh, inappropriate humor and 80s cheese oh a movie carrie fisher once said was the worst of her career Ooh. so what is it dj we are going to be watching the 1981 comedy film under the rainbow starring saturday night live's chevy chase and everyone's favorite space princess, Carrie Fisher. All right. Well, this is good for me because I've never seen it. And this will give me an excuse to uh, track it down and watch it. And folks, uh, important announcement. Normally, we do a show every other Friday. The next one would be on the 23rd. Everyone's favorite shopping day, a.k.a. Black Friday. So, We're going to take the week off, and the next show will be on Friday, December 27th. Same time, same station. Oh, let me correct that. December 7th, not 27th. Oh, yes. Sorry. Uh, The beginning of a new month, December 7th. 7th of December on a Friday night. And uh, Matthew in the... (laughs) And the chat room keeps posting characters from the remake. And I must say, uh, they look scrumptious. Oh, yes, indeedy. In fact, uh, there was quite a bit of eye candy in there. And um, Jamie Bamber, who played the the new Apollo, uh, was uh, the Australian persuasion. And, of course, you would never know what to watch the show because he did an American accent so well. Yeah, probably. Oh, by the way, uh, you mentioned the uh, the cast of men in the original series. Uh, you know, uh, were no slouches either, and uh, they made good use of that in a couple of episodes uh, when they invented this game that uh, they would play, and <laughs> the costumes were basically uh, these little speedo swimming trunks and uh, straps and. Uh, bare torsos, 
Ooh. and uh, lots of leg and um, and we got to see a boomer and uh, the three of them the three main guys there uh, wrestling around with each other oh my pra- goodness practically naked I'm, so oh <laughs> and if you want to know what episodes those are I am sure that spanky will let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Anyways, this was a lot of fun. And, uh, uh, I, I I enjoyed revisiting that old show. Yes. Well, and thank you for joining us, Matt. And uh, we will say our good nights now. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to Matt and Amanusha. Our show is live every other Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Stop by univospods.net. Click the tower for streaming audio and enter Discord for chat. Follow us on Twitter at Matinee Minutia. Have a comment, question, or a suggestion for a topic? Email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com. And of course, you can visit our website at matineeminutia.com. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univospods.net. Who got a voice? Oh. <laughs> <laughs>